Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Rolling along here on the program. We are in Christmas music bump back season. And we are in the hot stove season of baseball. And the stove has been hot with just, you know, only just a few billion dollars of contracts flying around here in the last few days. We're bringing our friend Joe Sheehan from the uh, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Now, Joe, it's only been two, three billion dollars going around there. Not, not a whole lot's going on in the game of baseball, right, the last week or so? My, Brian, my dentist just got a six-year, $125 million <laughs> deal. I don't know what the hell you guys are doing. It's crazy. I mean, or or maybe it's not. Like literally, all the teams are clearly showing they got enough money. What what do you make of it? With we saw Carlos Correa is the most recent one. It's thirteen years, three hundred fifty million dollars. Like these teams are all aware that by the end of these contracts, like the last few years are are kind of be garbage money. But they they must have decided, I guess, right, that it's somehow a better value that way than than giving out less years in the larger amounts per year. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because it was a year ago that we'd be owners talking about how hard they had it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this year has put the lie to that, as, as always is the case. Uh, Brian, you know, the, what the owners say in a CBA negotiation is only loosely related to anything vaguely having to do with the truth. The fact is, baseball brings in $11 billion a year with a B. Um, it's not distributed evenly, but there are a lot of mechanisms in place to, to move that money around to make it more even than it, it directly is. And you know, teams want, for the, for the most part, you know, 20-odd owners want to win. And those are the owners out there going out and signing the Xander Bogarts and Trey Turners and Carlos Correa's to these deals. Uh, I think it's great for the game. I think you know, one of the things that happened in the middle of the last decade is the winter meetings stopped being interesting. Uh, we saw you know, Bryce Harper signed in March, Manny Machado signed, I think, in late February. And you didn't have baseball getting this kind of attention in December. Well, the winter meetings and these free agent signings aren't just about making the team better. It's about getting your fans excited. So if you're a Giants fan today, if you're a Phillies fan, you now have an additional reason to get those tickets for next year's games, to get the gear, to be excited about the 2023 season. And you know that's been a big part of baseball history is using the offseason to get your fans excited. And we're getting back to that a little bit with, these, with this activity this month. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, we'll get into some of the individual things. One more thought: you mentioned the CBA, and you know, so much over the years has been uh, how long can baseball teams, you know, control their players from either the draft or international signings? And it's, it's years and years and years, which is why some of these guys aren't getting their big, big money until they're in their their late twenties. I'd say, I guess the answer is obvious because they haven't changed it, but. You know, is, is there any thought of w- would it be better to get these guys their big money from you know twenty five to thirty five I- instead of you know thirty to forty two? Well, that's been the argument. You know, and this is obviously where it'll be another four years now before we have a CBA discussion. But you know, should the union be pressing for earlier free agency, perhaps trading off arbitration for a four year free agency or a much higher minimum salary? The minimum salary went from five fifty to seven hundred, which is still a pittance. There's nothing. Let's put it this way. It is as ridiculous for you know, Juan Soto to be basically the MVP and make $700,000 a year as it is for you know, Xander Bogarts to be guaranteed $28 million a year when he's 53 years old or whatever that contract runs to. Like, yeah. They're both silly. This is just the way it is. Baseball has built in service time in a very real way to its compensation structure. You go back to the original you know, creation of free agency in 1976, and that's essentially what the trade-off was. You can have players 
without letting them on the market for six years, but likely as not, you're going to be overpaying them for the latter part of their career. Now, the more we've learned about career paths and the more front offices have become savvy about this stuff, they've become more reluctant. That's the interesting thing about this winter. I thought we'd eventually see more deals like the Scherzer deal last year, three and 130, where teams pumped up the average annual value but kept the uh, the length of the contract shorter. And what we've seen instead is these deals designed to minimize the impact on the individual payrolls in a given year so as to avoid or mitigate the luxury tax penalties. So when you see 13 and 350 for Carlos Correa, think of it more as like 10 and 350 with the three years at the end kind of there to, to make the luxury tax impact less. And you can do that with the Bogarts deal. You can do that with the Trey Turner deal or the Bryce Harper deal. All of these super long deals now are basically constructed to help teams get around the tax thresholds. Yeah, which, which is funny. I mean, the NFL's been doing it for years in a different way. It's to get around, uh, you know, the cap. But in the end, you know, guys have to restructure because they're not guaranteed deals. It's different in baseball. The guys will get that money, but it's just a different way. Uh, down the line. Joe Sheehan with us. Uh, Joe, let's hit a couple of them. Obviously, Aaron Judge was the star of this whole thing at the beginning. Uh, the Yankees end up basically giving him everything he wanted with uh, all nine years at all $360 million. Uh, what did you make of that finally coming together for Aaron to stay with the with the Yankees? Yeah, I don't think the Yankees wanted necessarily to guarantee Judge's 36 to 39 years. If you look at the track record of Older players in general now, and tall play, tall hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really bad. It's it's basically Dave Winfield, and everybody, every other tall hitter in baseball history has fallen apart in their early thirties. The Yankees are obviously aware of this. It's a savvy, it's a savvy front office. But the 2023 Yankees needed Aaron Judge like I need weight loss. It's just really <laughs> bad. And if they had not signed Judge, I don't think they could have contended next year. That's the difference. Even if Judge doesn't, you know, doesn't have a ten win season like he did last year. The lineup we saw in the second half last year, the lineup was Aaron Judge and one of the worst offenses in baseball. They retained Rizzo, um, you know, Donaldson will return, Hicks will return. They should get a boost, hopefully, with Anthony Volpe and uh, the, the young players Cabrera and Peraza next year. They could they should be better. But without Judge, that wasn't a competitive offense. So they kind of were trapped by the fact that they, they're kind of in this in-between period between the, the Torres, Judge, Sanchez, Severino Yankees and the Volpe, Cabrera, Austin Wells, Trey Sweeney Yankees. Uh, I, I, I think they were just stuck. They, if they had not signed Judge, they could not have competed this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just felt like, I mean, the guy is the face of the Yankees. He was the face of baseball last season. Uh, that's worth a lot of money, and uh, the Yankees had to write that uh, check. Uh, l- let's lump the three giant uh, shortstop contracts together. Trey Turner goes to the Phillies, 11 for 300. Uh, Carlos Correa again last night, 13 years, 350. The Giants, Sander Bogarts moves from the Red Sox uh, to the Padres for 11 years, 280. So uh, three shortstops, a significant amount of money, all changing teams. Um, which one, I guess, uh, which do you think is the best deal out of it? Who, who got the best uh, situation with the, the signings of those three? I think I was surprised by how closely the, the deals ended up being because I looked at Correa as a, a level above, largely because he's the youngest. He'll play next year at age 28, so the Giants are getting his age 28 and 29 seasons, which are already passed for the other players. And that makes a huge difference in terms of you know, what kind of value does the player project to have. You're still getting him right around his peak. Also, Correa is a fundamentally underrated player. He's uh, put up 39, put about 40 war over you know, the first seven years of his career. He's put up you know, 55% of a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame career 
uh, so far. Now, there were some back problems a couple of years ago. Obviously, there are still people who resent his involvement with the 2017 Astros, but he was the best player in this market by a good amount, better than Judge, better than Turner. Uh, and I think getting him for what the Giants signed him for, bargain is a dumb word to use in this context, right? $350 million. There are no $350 million <laughs> bargains, except for subscribe to my newsletter. But uh, I don't think you... I, I do think that the, of these deals... The Correa deal is going to age the best. Next, I would say the Turner deal. Uh, Turner is really an almost identical comp for age 29 to Barry Larkin. And Barry Larkin, from ages 30 to 35, was one of the best players in baseball. He won an MVP. He could have won a second MVP. We've seen Turner have similar growth in terms of his power that Larkin had in his late, tw- in his late 20s. I absolutely love this deal for the Phillies. And I think the Turner is the type of player who has a broad skill set with speed at the center of it who should age better than other players of his cohort. You can eventually move him to second base, maybe left field, and he's still going to have value. And then third, I would say Bogarts, because Bogarts is least likely to stay at shortstop, the uh, least defensively accomplished in the group. There's also real questions about what kind of hitter he'll be outside of Fenway Park. He's had some pretty big home road splits. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to dictate the future of your, of your career, but it is one of the things you look and say, okay, how well is this player going to age? probably not going to be a shortstop and he's not going to get the hit in a place that really suited him well. So of these deals, I think that's the one with the most risk. The Fitly, excuse me, the Padres had a reason to lock him in though. You know, Manny Machado can opt out at the end of, I believe it's this year. Um, and if he leaves, Bogart slides over to third base. So there's some insurance there. Okay. So that, uh, that could be something because they, the Padres got a lot of money locked up in that, uh, that infield right now. So we'll see where, where that heads. Uh, you mentioned the Red Sox. Uh, they made the signing of the big Japanese player this offseason, uh, Masataka Yoshida, for five years and, and 90 millions. But, you know, Bogarts is gone. Obviously, the Mookie Betts thing, it's a few years ago now, but it, it still lingers. And I, I know Red Sox fans are saying, well, if Bogarts is gone, like Raphael Devers is, you know, they're boys. Like, Devers is not going to like this. Uh, what, what do you make of what the Red Sox are doing? Because it, it no longer looks like they're acting like uh, one of the, the few big market teams in baseball. Right. Uh, for there was a 15-year stretch where John Henry had a top five. His Red Sox had a top five payroll. Yeah. In that stretch, and with the, the with the bets trade, it was almost an announcement by Henry and the Fenway Sports Group that the Red Sox were going to be run differently. I, they still have a high payroll. They had high payroll. In fact, they were with the luxury tax for this year. But a lot of that is the leftover money that you know Dave Dombrowski spent, J.D. Martinez, Chris Sale, Anthony Evaldi. It does seem like Henry, certainly by hiring Heim Bloom out of that raised front office, wants to run the team a little bit differently. Now, that still probably means top 10 payrolls, but it also means you get beat out on all the shortstops in this class. Uh, the Red Sox have one of the top five prospects in the game in Marcelo Meyer. He was number four pick a couple of years ago. So they didn't want a shortstop. They know Meyer's on his way. But you know, by and large, you've got a, a fan base that's used to being among the best teams in baseball with among the highest payrolls in baseball now rooting for a team that simply doesn't want to do that anymore. So I think Hein Blue is taking a lot of the grief for this. You know, he was the face of the Betts trade, and you know, he now lost Bogarts, and he might lose Devers. But to me, this is mostly about ownership taking a different tack. And it, it seems to be a tack that may not put them uh, next to the World Series like they were a lot of times over the years when they were spending a lot of money. So we'll see where uh, see where that goes. Uh, joined now by Joe Sheehan, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. As he said, uh, you can subscribe to it. Uh, lifetime deal, low, low price of $350 million. You can get in for Joe. Slight, <laughs> slightly less than that if you actually go to the website uh, at the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. But, uh, Joe, uh, Fernando Tatis rumors here. 
Uh, is there smoke to the fire, or is this just complete nonsense that he might be on the move from the Padres? It doesn't make sense to me for them to be trading him at this point in value. It would be an ultimate trade low. He hasn't played since you know uh, August, September, I guess, of 2021. Um, he has a suspension. Uh, the questions, you know, he had the shoulder surgery finally. There's questions about the wrist. I, I don't know how you get value. This would be a... The young, I guess the youngest salary dump of a player in, in baseball history, which is 23. Um, I cannot see, I, I can see a team taking on the deal because especially if you look at the contracts that have just been signed, Fernando Tatis's deal actually looks pretty good right now. Yeah. But I don't know where, well, it doesn't make sense to me why the Padres would make this kind of trade uh, when I don't think they can get anything like value back for it. Uh, yeah, his deal's 14 years, $340 million. But again, he's he's 23 years old, so you're actually getting his uh, good seasons. And, you know, quickly to wrap up, uh, uh, Joe, with the Mets, you know, we know the Mets are not a th- afraid to throw the money around, but it, it looks like they made a choice. They did not want to be tied uh, to the injury history of Jacob deGrom. It was a, essentially, I guess, a short-term trade, if you want to put it that way, uh, for Verlander. What would you make of that choice the Mets uh, made in, as far as making up their pitching staff? Yeah, having an experience. One of the principles I go by is that the team losing the player knows the player better than anybody else. So if the Mets were willing to let DeGrom go, that says something to me. And the Rangers, five years, I didn't think DeGrom would get five years. Once that happened, though, the Mets had to replace DeGrom. And signing Verlander, who's basically a like-for-like replacement for, for DeGrom, was the right thing to do. And if you look at a lot of the Mets moves, Brian, a lot of it was just kind of running in place. Keeping Diaz, keeping Nemo, getting mm-hmm. Verlander to replace DeGrom. You know, they replaced Walker and Bassett with Quintana and Kodai Senga. You know, they picked up Rayleigh and Robertson in the bullpen to replace Adovino and Lugo. They spent a lot of additional money, but it's not like they made the big addition the way, you know, the Giants did with Correa or the Phillies did with Turner. They're kind of running in place a little bit. Now, they had to do that because, you know, you, you've committed all this money. You've got to try to win now. And they will have some young talent coming through that should lower the payroll. But for 2023, I think they're more or less in the same spot where they're battling the Braves for that uh, top spot in the NL All right, so we'll keep we'll keep our eyes on that to see where it goes with the Mets because we know that Steve Cohen is not afraid to throw money around uh, when no, it comes to trying to win uh, baseball games. All right, Joe, always good to chat. The next time a few billion dollars trade hands in baseball, I'm sure we'll uh, touch base again. Uh, have a happy holidays, and uh, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, Brian. Happy holidays. That is Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Make sure to check that out from Joe. With that final break, what's on tap tonight when we come back? Here's sportstalk.com ESPN Radio.